0: Today, today, (coughs) excuse me, is, uh, Friday, the 27th of August. And as I promised last week, I was going to put a lesson on the internet since we're going to miss Sunday's service. Once again, due to my wife's uh, illness. And, uh, I wanted to, Begin, of course, with 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Let us pray. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study your word. Guide us and direct us as we recognize that all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness in order that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. For I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I begin, I go, I'm going to remind you again, we do have a doctrine of war and a doctrine of uh, war, moral or immoral. And uh, these are either on the the uh, internet or the podcast, and they simply tell you what the Bible has to say about how you wage war. And today, with the situation as it is, it's probably appropriate, but it's not our lesson. Our lesson is entitled Translation, Part 2, which talks about the translation of the church, the rapture. So we're going to pick up where we left off uh, last week and uh, continue until time runs out or the lesson runs out. All right, so here we go. Translation, part two. King Jesus will return to deliver Israel at the end of the tribulation. Matthew twenty four twenty nine. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the womb, excuse me, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Wow, praise the Lord. And then Matthew 24:30, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And then our Lord continues in verse 31, and he will send his angels with a a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Jesus teaches the parable of the fig tree. Israel is the fig tree. And when the nation again appears, all should know the end is near. Matthew 24:32 33, 34 and 35 and I shall read. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as it's wheat excuse me, as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, says verse 33, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Verse 34, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. A reference to the generation uh, after, of course, the rapture of the church. Uh, or, excuse me, after the Lord's uh, dissertation And uh, after the rapture of the church, when, uh, of course, uh, signs will appear and then the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll recall we talked about signs. Signs are for when the, the second advent will occur, not the rapture. Then verse 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus is telling them about, uh, again, a sign, the fig tree. And uh, you'll know that seven years after the rapture of the church, Christ will come at his second advent. And then just to make sure that all these folks who make prophecies about this or that as far as the uh, Rapture is concerned. Jesus says, even I do not know when it's going to take place. That is to say, I in my humanity. So the day and hour of the second advent is unknown because the time of the rapture is unknown. Once the rapture occurs, the second advent can easily be predicted. The second advent will take place seven years after the rapture. Verse 36, 37, 38, and 39 continue. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, that is the capital S-O-N, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Notice common ordinary things are taking place for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage up to the day noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away this is how it will be at the coming of the son of man once more a reference to the second advent of Christ, not the rapture. Matthew 25, 40 through 41, those verses have been erroneously taught as describing the rapture. The man and woman taken refer to one being taken for judgment and the other left to rule with him at his second coming. That is to say, during the millennium. Ergo, the parable refers to the second advent and not the rapture. Let me read you those verses. Verse 40, 41, 42, 43, and 44 of the book of Matthew chapter 24. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Again, a reference to his second advent coming. Now, Matthew 24, 45 through 51, urges Israel to be ready when the Lord comes. For those who do not prepare by faith alone in Christ alone will be assigned a place in hell, speaking to his people, Israel. Now, verse 45, reading through verse 51, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants, of the servants, in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So again, the Lord Jesus provides a number of signs to Israel of his second advent coming. There are no signs before the rapture. So because the rapture is imminent, it will occur before the highly specific and traumatic events of the tribulation. Thus, as we have studied, the church will not go through the tribulation. Clearly, the eminent nature of the rapture supports the pre-trib view, as we have seen in a series of charts. Paul looked for the rapture during his generation. I want to repeat that. Paul looked for the rapture during his generation. Notice 1 Thessalonians 14. 16 16. for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then as we know from 1 Thessalonians 416 the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall come forth. Excuse me, shall come first. Now verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. The word is harpazo, you remember, often translated rapture, or from the Latin, repto. All right, then, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, are therefore better, perhaps come from one another with these words. With these words. Now, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty fifty one, 51, reading through verse 53. Now this, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, die, but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse 53, For this corruptible must Put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And then First Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. James 5, 7, and 8, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Verse 8, But ye also, pa-, or excuse me, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And then First John, chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. But if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And then Hebrews 10:36 and 37 for ye have heard and you have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God you might receive the promise for yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry So the Lord himself shall descend from the heavens with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God shall sound, in the dead and Christ shall rise first. Then we, again Paul speaking of himself, he anticipates the rapture. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This will give you indication that the rapture is imminent. So we are to be ready. And how do we get ready? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That is a promise for the church age. Now let's look further at the technical uses of a Greek word parousia. At the rapture, I will be so proud of you, says 1 Thessalonians two nineteen, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? so he hopes i hope to see your chest decorated with medals when you return with jesus at the second advent speaking to of raptured saints verse 313 to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before god even our father at the coming of our lord jesus christ with all his saints all right, our deceived loved ones will not miss the rapture. Interesting, our deceived loved ones will not miss the rapture. First, 415. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not, not prevent them which are asleep. So our deceased, I said deceived, uh, in my weakness and tiredness, I said our deceived loved ones will not miss the rapture. I refer instead to our deceased, like my brother, for example. No, no. I'll say I'm going to read that verse again so you know the pastor made a mistake. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So the Lord will preserve you blameless unto the rapture if you happen to precede us in death. First Thess 523, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24 Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. All right. I can't believe you believe this silly lie about the rapture having already occurred. Famous verses, famous because I keep repeating it over and over again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1, reading through verse, oh I think it's verse 10 that I over and over again told you this is the greatest summary of The pre-trib position, where Paul cautions the first the Thessalonians that they are not to think that the tribulation has started. No, no, no. Well, uh, let's just go through it. We'll go through it. Let's go through it by looking first, first, second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. It says, "Now we beseech you, brethren." by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Now, doesn't that sound like the rapture? Verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as at the day of Christ. And the word there is curious is at hand, as that the day of Christ is is at hand, and it is at hand, and we have this terrible translation. Somebody decided to translate kurios, uh, Lord, is at hand. See, the, uh, uh, the day of curios is not at hand, but the day of Christ is at hand, and somebody inserted the wrong word in there and translated it erroneously. So do you understand? It sometimes happens. The devil is so coy and so brilliant how he does work. Even changes the Greek. Instead of saying Christos, he wanted to put in Curios, Curios. Uh, so don't be confused. The day of Curios is not at hand, but the day of Christ is at hand. Alright, Paul does not want them anxious about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a general term for the tribulation, millennium, and the destruction of planet Earth. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church. The day of Christ is therefore a bad translation. It is better day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not at hand, but the day of Christ is. And that's why somebody slipped in a mistranslation. So the day of Christ is the rapture and it is at hand. The Greek is day of the Lord. Don't be confused that the day of the Lord, Kurios, is at hand. It's not, but the day of Christ is. So this shows you how slick old Satan is. Now let's look at verse 3. You see, because I'm going to quick, quickly make a comment. Somebody had either written a letter, somebody had even sent a messenger to say that the day of, of course, the Lord is at hand. You're in the tribulation. He says, don't believe them. So in verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. The falling away first in verse 3 refers to either the apostasy of the tribulation or the rapture of the church, since the Greek word apostasia can mean either. Remember the dissertation uh, taught regarding how these Greek words are used interchangeably, some for a technical use and some for a non-technical, some for an eschatological use, some for many other uses as we have studied already, and I'll not get into that again. So the falling away first in verse 3 refers to either the apostasy of the tribulation or the rapture of the church, since the Greek word apostasia can mean either. Since there is always apostasy in all ages, most gracious expositors believe the falling away refers to the rapture. Now verse 4 of Second Thessalonians 2, again describing the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not, says verse 5, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. So look around you. Do you see this man of apostasy? Is he sitting in the temple? Is he being worshipped? Or is there a temple? So again, remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Now verse 6. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. And let me give you a preview. What is he? That withhold it. it's the Holy Spirit in you withholds the Antichrist and his work right now. But when you are raptured, oh, all Billy hell will break loose. For the mystery of iniquity, says, verse 7, doth already work. We see it today. We see internationalism. We see UNICEF. We see all manner of uh, universal apostasy. But only he, the Holy Spirit, who now lives in you, will let until he be taken out of the way at the rapture because he lives in you. And there goes at the rapture the Holy Spirit. He's going in you and he leaves. And that just turns the wicked one loose. Look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9 Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. The one who withholdeth is God the Holy Spirit. Clearly, since he indwells all believers, his removal at the rapture will make possible the work of Satan. Of the Satan indwelt Antichrist. The wicked one, therefore, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, is the Antichrist. And parousia, translated coming, is used of the second advent when the Antichrist will be placed in the lake of fire. Praise the Lord. So what? Be patient. Wait for the rapture. James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren. Be, therefore, patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Okay, let's see what old Peter says about the second advent. He said, uh, in other words, in verse 16, so. He's going to, in essence, say, I told you the truth about the second advent. Second Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. There are some who are cynical about the rapture, as also cynical even about the second advent. Verse four again. Old Peter speaking in Second Peter chapter three verse four, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep and all things continued as they were from the beginning of the tri- tri- excuse me, creation. I'm going to read that again since I goofed it up. And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of the creation. And I inserted the chart of the regular dispensation chart, which shows, of course, Adam, Avram, Christ, the cross, 70 A.D., the rapture of the church, the second advent, the uh, age of Christ or the millennium. Then we have, of course, the destruction of planet Earth and the great white throne. In chart form is age one, age of Israel, age of grace, tribulation, rapture of the church, of course, beginning the the tribulation, seven-year period, then Christ comes at his second advent, then the new Jerusalem where we shall live in the 1,000 years. I'll not go over that chart. I have been over that chart so often, people. And you know that. Some of you go to sleep at night seeing the tribulation chart, the age of Christ or other ages, because there's nothing on that chart that will not appear. It's God's plan in chart form. Now, ah, let's go on. Now, after the great white throne, the world will become one great big ball of fire, says Peter. Second Peter three twelve. Looking far and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. All right, shame in a resurrection body at the rapture is truly an oxymoron. Notice 1 John two twenty-eight. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. In other words, ashamed before the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. All right, let's go to another one of those words that we were discussing, you know, some technical uses, some non-technical. Let's look at the the use of apocalypsis as we move toward the end of our lesson. Apocalypsis, the word is used some 19 times in the New Testament. Let's look first at the non-technical uses, meaning not an eschatological use, but some other kind of use. Notice an old spirit filled kingdom age saint named Simeon makes a statement about the baby Jesus. Luke 232, a light to lighten Apocalypsis the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And then we have gee, how long do we have to wait, said Thumper to Bambi. Romans eight nineteen through 22. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Church-age saints, brethren, you and I are so fortunate. Romans sixteen twenty five. 25, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel, And the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden from long ages past. Revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. Verse 26, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey. All right, if it does not communicate, don't do it. Again, if it does not communicate, don't do it, says 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 6, 7, and 8. Now, brethren, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation, apocalypsis, or knowledge, or prophecy, or word of instruction? Verse 7, even in the case of lifeless lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp. How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? And then in verse 8, a military term. And again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? All right, quit this vain babbling all the time. Reference to tongues. Do it orderly, and only if there be an interpretation there. The teaching of doctrine is better than tongues. Now he's talking about what was going on in the church at the time before the scriptures were completed. Because you remember there were these many whip gifts, as Colonel R.B. Thame calls them, that uh, were used to communicate because there was no New Testament, but they were having New Testament church. And I would refer you here, brethren. Go to the Doctrine of Tongues and read it. Read Merrill F. Unger's book entitled Tongues, and you will be, oh my goodness, so, so enlightened. So quit this vain babbling all the time. Do it orderly and only if there is an interpreter there. The teaching of doctrine is better than tongues. In other words, if there's not somebody there who can interpret tongues, if there's not somebody there who can uh, uh, tell you what was said in tongues, and if there's not somebody there who can tell you whether or not it's of the devil, or if it's of man, or if it's of a Christian man, well, don't do it. In other words, you need someone with the inter- gift of interpretation of tongues, someone with the of course the gift of tongues it, as tongues is spoken, then somebody says also, uh, it is of God, it is not of the devil, but all this is in the doctrine of tongues don't don't let me don't let me get off on that, brethren. So quit this vain babbling all the time. Do it orderly and only if there is an interpreter there. The teaching of doctrine is better than tongues. Now then, let's look at 2 Corinthians 14, 26, 27, 27 and 28. What shall we say, brothers or brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, Apocalypse is our word, a tongue or an interpretation All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. See, there was no New Testament. And these whip gifts were used to communicate doctrine before they had anything to teach in a New Testament church without without a New Testament. And then verse 27 says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at least, or excuse me, or at most three should speak one at a time. And someone must interpret and it says if there in verse 28, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Okay, so you think their visions and revelations are better than mine. All those visiting firemen who used to come and tell everybody those hair-raising stories, whereas Paul taught Bible doctrine. And the Corinthians thought, oh, this is so wonderful. My hair has been raised on the back of my neck. 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. You remember I taught you this when I taught 2 Corinthians. All right, because of God's revelations to me, Paul, I received a special demon to keep me humble. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Second Corinthians twelve seven to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. All right, what I know, says Paul in the book of Galatians, I know I received from the Lord. Notice Galatians 1 12, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation of apocalypsis of the Lord. The Lord said, go to Jerusalem and clear this matter up now. So Galatians Galatians 2.2, with reference to those who were saying, oh, you have to keep the law in order to be saved. You have to keep the law in order to be a mature believer. Go to Jerusalem and clear that up. Those people are wrong. Those people are evil that come from James. I'm going to read you 2-2 of Galatians. I went in response to a revelation, apocalypse, and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. All right, I thank God for you, says Paul in the book of Ephesians. I thank God for you and pray he will give you knowledge of him just as I pray for you who are out there in either via the internet or by uh, the podcast or really by those who attend our church. I thank God for you and pray He will give you knowledge of Him. Ephesians 1.17 That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Continuing in... Ephesians. I am pleased to be the communicator of the mystery doctrines of the church age. And in verse 3 we'll find Apocalypse issues and translated Revelation. But let's read 2, 3, 4, and 5 in chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you were Excuse me, to you, word. I'll get it right in a minute, brethren. Come on, Jerry, read it again. If ye he have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation, apocalypse, a non-technical use again, as I am giving you various non-technical uses, and we'll get to the technical or eschatological uses later. He made known unto me the mystery as I wrote, afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. All right, now we're ready for, to start technical uses, that is, eschatological uses. And I'll begin here. Hopefully next week. Uh, it's difficult to say at this point in time. Uh, most of you know that Tommy has uh, been uh, diagnosed with cancer, so we just we kind of have to play it by ear. But we're going to get the word of God out. I don't care what Satan does. So let's close her out with an invitation, Father. We dedicate the closing moments of this service to anyone who may with, may be without Christ, without hope, and without eternal life. Jesus Christ has you perfectly, perfectly in mind when he went to the cross and took care of your sins. He took care of all the sins of the world for that matter, so the issue is, what think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. It's that simple. Faith alone in Christ alone. Faith in Christ gets you salvation. You don't have to jump through any psychological hoops. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to tell God, oh, God, I'm not going to do that. Amen. No, 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 no. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. It's simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, I would ask that God the Holy Spirit would take that which I have taught, make it real, in order that we might grow in your wonderful grace and become more like our Lord and Savior, even Jesus the Christ, in whose name I pray, amen.